What's up, listeners? We've got a great episode for you this week. It was actually recorded back in April, but we had some Zoom technical difficulties that kept it from you until now. Episode 53 is with, as Dr. Ashton would say, the Dr. Troy Van Beesen. Dr. Van Beesen is a chiropractor and performance coach who's been working with elite pro athletes for 20 plus years, especially with the golfers on the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is a week-to-week grind, and Dr. Van Beesen is on the road with his players for 30-plus weeks a year. Dr. Van Beesen tells our audience how he got into the profession, being on the PGA Tour, what it's like working with swing coaches, and some of the best athletes in the world. You can check out what Dr. Van Beesen is up to on social media. His handles are in the show notes. And if you haven't yet left us a rating or review, please go do so. All right, guys, enjoy. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helped active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. So, Doc, I appreciate you being on today. Yeah, I'm glad to be on. Excited to uh, talk some golf fitness, golf performance, and yeah. crazy times right now. I, um, you know, we're recording this during the quarantine, and one of the positives that I've gained from this or gleaned from this is our podcast is called the Stay Healthy New Jersey Podcast. We've tried to keep it local, but um, I've thought that this quarantine has maybe helped me meet people and hopefully create connections that I might not have created elsewhere. So that's the one positive for me, and, you know, I reached out to you. Obviously, we talked before how busy, you know, your schedule is, and, and for you to come on, I really appreciate it. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, tell the audience about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name's obviously Troy Van Beesen. I'm a chiropractor based out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, I've been in practice for 21 years here in Dallas, originally from Calgary, Canada. Uh, my background is actually um, hockey, so played college hockey back home in Canada. Um, actually, got um, played in the National Hockey League in a farm team right, uh, up in uh, Cape Breton. So the Edmonton Oilers had a farm system in Cape Breton at the time, and then I spent my last four or five seasons overseas in Europe playing hockey. Um, you know, struggled with a bunch of injuries, and it was really a chiropractor back home that really helped me kind of keep my career going. So when it's all said and done, and I decided to get a real job, (laughs) landed in Dallas, Texas, and uh, went to chiropractic school. And, you know, like I said, I've been in practice for 21 years. And uh, so it's been kind of grinding since then. Right. So tell us about how you go from, you know, a guy playing pro hockey, you finish chiro school in Texas, you stay down there to to now where, you know, I know you see a lot of athletes, but um, for the last, I think you said 18 years, you're working on the PGA Tour. How did that, how did that all happen? Yeah, so going way back is, um, you know, sometimes it's the right place, right time. Sometimes it's who you know. But, uh, you know, when I was down here in Dallas, the head coach of the Dallas Stars hockey team actually coached against me as a kid in Canada. And that's kind of how I got linked up with the Dallas Stars hockey team. So I've been with them for quite a long time. And, you know, who plays more golf than golfers? It's hockey players, right? So in the summertime, a lot of my the hockey guys are playing with the PGA players. And... You know, the professional athletes circle is pretty small, smaller than what people think, and they talk a lot. And so just so happened, a couple of hockey guys were playing a couple of PGA Tour players. Uh, I was probably in my fifth year of practice, and um, they just kind of brought up my name. 
as far as, you know, chiropractic and treatment and whatnot. And next thing you know, I had a, you know, phew, gosh, four, five, six PJ tour players in my office. Um, love what I did. You know, my practices, I'll kind of describe my practice it's set up mostly recognize this, the TPI model. So in Dallas, what I've developed is we have the sport medicine component. So there's myself, two other chiropractors, athletic trainer, massage therapist. And then we have a gym where I have two strength coaches. And then basically we have a golf shop next door. So we have a hitting bay. So we do a lot of custom fittings and repairs and whatnot. So basically it's a one-stop shop. Big reason why I did that was, you know, I call it three C's, convenience, communication, and consistency of care. And those are pretty powerful things. It's just in, when you're in a big city, a lot of people just don't want to travel in different places to do different things. And when you have different healthcare specialists or, um, you know, strength coaches, it's just really hard to communicate if they're not inside your walls. And I just want everybody to be on the same page. So that's what I developed and it became a pretty powerful tool. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. And over the years, it's just evolved into the go-to place for, for golf performance, sports performance. There's just nothing like it in the city. There's really nothing like it in the state. And at the time, probably nothing like it really in the country. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how, what I did behind the scenes on the clinical side of it. And so, you know, as, like I said, the circle of trust with these athletes was pretty small and they all talk. And before you know it, you got football guys, baseball guys, and everybody coming in. And so a couple of the PGA Tour players actually, without me knowing, reached out to the PGA Tour and wanted me to be on staff for the PGA Tour medical staff. And that's kind of how that started. So I actually was on the PGA Tour medical staff for about eight years, nine years. And it was great, you know, just got really into the trenches. The days were long. You're, you're in there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. Um, you could literally go through 50 golfers in one day. So you see a lot of injuries, uh, tendencies, imbalances, just things that golfers come in with where I think, you know, it really gave me a good hands-on um, experience dealing with all that. And then about uh, eight, nine years ago, a handful of them, actually pulled me aside and said, we'd love to spend more time with you. We'd love to hire you exclusively. And uh, would you do that with us? And I didn't know how that worked at the time because there really, there really wasn't anything going on with, you know, kind of like that. And so I took, kind of took a leap of faith and I left the PGA Tour medical staff and I worked with a handful of guys. Um, looking back, I probably should have done it a little bit earlier. Uh, and number one reason, obviously, is just it's such a lucrative deal, right? Um, and so the big thing I think with the golf is the guys just want a lot of consistency, right. From week to week. And what happened in the trailers was whether it was the, you know, the fitness trailer or whether it was with the uh, therapy trailer every week, there was somebody new. And so the, the golfer just had to kind of, you know, a lot of it, as you guys know, when you deal with athletes or just clients, a lot of it's just building relationships. And so Every week, these golfers had to kind of build a relationship. Who are you? What's your skill set? Do I like you? Do I don't like you? And so it's hard for the golfers. And back then, when they pulled me aside, they just wanted to avoid all that. And so, um, and now it's kind of evolved in, you know, so right now I've got 11 PGA Tour players full time I work with. And I'm kind of, so if you look like in pro sports teams, they, the sports teams have a whole team of people around them. On the PGA Tour, we just don't really have that. And so every player has their own business, their own entity. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. So obviously the chiropractor do the therapy, do the rehab. I do all their training, you know, do all their assessments, writing their programs, um, obviously big with their nutrition. You know, sometimes I'm more of a psychiatrist than anything, but um, and that's where the trust comes into play. 
you know, the, the, I mean, I've been with the guys now, you know, like Ryan Palmer, Zach Johnson, probably the, one of the first two guys I worked with, been with those guys forever. Um, and then this, it just evolves into friendship. You know, they, they become really good friends off the golf course. So that's kind of how that evolved. Um, and I think part of it is, you know, you got to know what you're doing, number one. Um, and, and like I said, back then, there was just really nothing like that. And as, you know, as, as you guys know, especially in pro sports, there's so much money now in, in the more that you can have a player play, whether it's any sport, um, sustainability, longevity equals hundreds of millions of dollars. And unfortunately, in pro sports, they just don't get a lot of that in the locker room, right? Um, and so a lot of guys, and that's kind of how I kind of got into with the Cowboys and the Rangers and Dallas Mavericks is they, those guys just needed something outside that locker room to keep these guys going. It's funny. It's funny you say that because us being in New Jersey, um, where I when I first got out of school, I was working in a practice in Westfield where a lot of the New Jersey Devils lived, and that was yep. their experience. And they would they would basically say like pro sports, you think, but they're like we have one massage therapist that comes twice a week. They didn't even have a Cairo, um, and there's yep. how many guys on that team? It's like you know, it's not what people think. Like everyone's got their own person. So to your yep. point, like you know, it's not as like not glamorous, but isn't the right word. But you don't get as much attention as you would think at the highest level they should it, it's crazy you know like i said i've been doing this for 18 years and the amount of money they play they pay these players to perform there's just really no money they put into it to keep keep these guys healthy right. it, it it's not it's the general public is you know when i talk to a lot of people they're just blown away by the lack of care that these guys get and so they got to go outside the walls to get help right. um you know it's gosh i mean some of these football teams baseball teams salaries are 100 150 200 million dollars yeah um and like you said, they may have massage therapists. They probably, I mean, say baseball's probably 20 years behind other sports. Um, just the old school athletic trainer, ice, stem, heat, you know, do kind of do your own thing. Um, hockey's gotten better over the years uh, just because, and really what it is, what it comes down to, it's the players are your voice, right? So if you can get a couple of good players, whether it's a captain or an MVP on that team, they're going to they're gonna speak up on your behalf and then they're, you're in the locker room. That's just how that works. Right. Um, so it's just, it's just, so it's just weird. It's, it's still in pro sports. It's more reactive in nature. Yes. Um, it, it's not proactive. And, um, and that's why we still see to this date, even with all the modalities and therapies and strength training and, uh, knowledge and everything we have, I mean, injuries are still an all time high and, um, it's just crazy. It's just, I, I mean, I've been again, doing 18 years and just scratch my head sometimes on some of the, what, some of the things that these guys are you know, just so medically mismanaged. Right. And I guess, you know, you wouldn't say this, but I can say it understanding the business side of it, that the fact that the pros seek you out says something, because again, we're right near the Jets, the Giants. A lot of the team doctors are, they, they're, they're sponsored. Like they, their hospital groups yeah. pay a sponsor. So, you know, yeah. someone like you who they actually seek out, that's a credit to you because, you know, no one's paying the bill to get them on staff where they actually need you, you know, and that's probably something you deal with a lot too as well. Right. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. So you got to be a team player, and everybody has the role, and you got to kind of check your ego at the door, and, and and you know do the best you can for that player. But yeah, you're right. What happens is the the hospital affiliated with that pro sports teams they pay the team as it's a marketing fee, right? So I mean it's millions of dollars, and so that allows those doctors to have access to the players in the locker room. Right. So it's it's a weird dynamic, you know. And I think for me, um, that's kind of why I've more so gone towards the golf because I don't have to really um, deal with that red tape or just a lot of uh, 
a lot of dynamics that goes on in the locker room, right? Every player is their own guy, it's their own entity. I'm the guy. I make probably 90% of the decisions. Um, and that's kind of, it's just a path of least resistance. And uh, definitely a lot more lucrative. Right. You know, I wish, I wish, I wish the Dallas Stars can pay me what I get paid on the PGA Tour. <laughs> uh, but it's not even close. And I love, you know, being from Canada, I love the game. I love the guys. I love being in that environment. Um, but it's just... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very lucrative business being on, on tour with the players. So talk to me about, you know, your life and schedule. Cause again, it's glad it's cool to be on the PGA tour. It's cool to work with the Dallas stars. I was our, the other doctor that works with us, Dr. Ashton, uh, Bill Amoria. He looked at my schedule today and screenshotted me. He goes, is this the Dr. Troy Van Beesen? So like he's a new <laughs> grad about a year out. He knows who you are. Like you're a guy that people in our world yeah. are up to, but you travel 30 weeks a year, you work with these pro sports teams, you know, you have a private practice with a bunch of businesses and how do you manage all of it? Or what does your days look like? It's crazy. Yeah. It's, you know, I get that asked a lot. Um, and first and foremost, the number one reason I can do it is obviously I have a supporting wife. She's awesome. Um, yeah. I could do it without her. So, you know, we grew up together, high school sweethearts. She competed in the world championships for gymnastics and we kind of, we just kind of know there's my daughter. Um, you know, we just support each other. You know, yeah. I love her with her business and she knows what I love, what I love to do. And so I couldn't do it without her, but you know, yeah, it's hard and you know, it's a tough to balance. And so, um, I'm like, I, like you said, I'm on the road usually 30 weeks a year. Um, and then when I'm not on the road, uh, I'm in my clinic and people are like, well, how can you do that both? I mean, it's, and it's hard. It's, it's mentally and physically draining, but it, I always tell people it's not for everybody. Um, I don't think I've ever worked a day in my life. I, I love what I do. I'm passionate what I do. And so that's number one. You have to be passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, probably the biggest thing. Um, and I have a great staff in my clinic. Like in any business, no matter what it is, you really have to set up really good systems. And as long as that business follows the systems, it runs on its own, right? It's taken time. It doesn't happen right away. And you have to have the right people, right? You got to have the right systems. I think I've developed a pretty good brand here in Dallas with my clinics. So for the most part, it runs on its own. Right. Um, my associate doctors do a great job. Um, so when I'm, when I'm on the road, my senior associate takes care of the hockey right. players, Dallas stars. And then when I come home, he goes, he goes out to the PJ tour and then I'm with the, in the clinic and with the hockey team. So it's a good balance. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, people always say you kind of want to clone yourself. It, that's just not possible. Right but I do the best I can training these guys and getting them to understand how I approach things, and, uh, you know, on the treatment side of it, rehab. So, yeah, I mean, another PJ tour, oof, I mean, you talk to, you know, obviously Kirk Adams and I'm probably familiar with Ben Shear. Yeah. I mean, my wake up call is four 30 in the morning. Um, if the guy's first tea times at seven, I'll see my guys two hours before the tea time treatment warm ups. Um, and then I usually don't get back to my hotel eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. So Thursday, Friday, I'm pretty worn out, especially if you're on the road for three weeks. Um, you work on Saturday, Sunday, so you have no days off. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to balance, but I always say, you know, you gotta have the right people, the right systems. Um, and you gotta do it for the right reason, you know, um, and the guys I work with, uh, they're awesome. They get it. They, they, they're family guys. And they all know we need breaks. Um, but and then at home, you know, get to the clinic at eight in the morning. And if it's game day with the stars, I usually work till three o'clock, drive down to the rink, 
Uh, if we have a 7.30 game, my first 5.50, um, and just work right through those guys. And I, then I'll stay. I'll stay after the game, and I usually go home to midnight and then back in the clinic 8 in the morning. So it's hard. There's, yeah. a, there's definitely a tough – it's tough to balance, but, you know, great family support. Wife does a great job, you know, supporting me and me supporting her. Um, you just have to have good systems, you know, and then there's times you just got to get away and decompress. So this is actually a good breather for me. <laughs> it's, I, I said, I tell people, this is the most I've been at home in over 10 years. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't enjoy it for what's going on, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking this in and, and kind of a breather and just kind of reset for me. So. So then I guess on a, on a personal level, and as I'm thinking about this, someone that is as busy as you are, you know, for someone like me who works at different country clubs, works with club golfers that, you know, and we're near Wall Street. So we've got like, work crazy hours. They travel, they sit, they, um, how do you, and you, you know, again, I don't, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I just turned 51. They're 51. And I can tell you're, you're in pretty good shape from the pictures. So you're obviously doing something. How do you actually manage yourself between all of that and taking care of yourself and doing all that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty OCD about my body. I've always been that way. Just, I think with my, you know, kind of hockey athletic background. Right. So um, very OCD, what I put in my body, uh, how we, when eat, what do I eat? Um, and I think for me, it's just, um, that's number one, you know, nutrition for me. And, um, I think the longer I take care of myself, the longer I can do what I can do. Like I, I, I hope I can do this till I'm 60, but obviously that might be hard physically just the time, but okay. so number, number one is nutrition. Um, number three, I, I work out quite a bit. I'm pretty OCD about working out and lifting. Uh, so on, like if I'm on the PGA tour, typically what I'll do after I wear my players up, I'll leave the golf course. I usually find a gym. I'll go do a workout. Uh, I'll have breakfast and then I'll come back and get ready for my, my afternoon wave guys. Got right. it. So that's the big thing is just staying on schedule um, and having a routine. You know, there's days, weeks that we can't do that just because of weather delays or, you know, there's obviously things that are going to pop up that you can't control. Sleep's number two. You know, uh, obviously we don't sleep much when I'm on the road, but I try to do the best I can with sleep. I mean, as we all know how important that is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like, it's like those three, three things, nutrition, sleep, and um, just trying to stay healthy with exercise and training. And, I, I, um, and then I get treatment a lot. You know, luckily, we're on, the, we're on the road a lot, so we get a lot of chiros, massage guys, PTs. We try to take care of each other, Good. and that's really, impo that's really important. So you kind of got to walk the talk, right? So, um, and th I think that shows – a lot to your players you know obviously i got some young guys that are early to mid 20s and they're seeing a 51 year old guy kick their ass in the gym so i think it's motivating to them yeah um and they you know they i've heard this lots of times like man i'd like to be look like you when you're 50 and i'm like well, i'll just keep doing what you're doing you know, sure it's just, there's no secret right you got to be accountable I, you know you got to be accountable what you do you got to be kind of what you put in your mouth and um that's a, that's a huge priority so. yeah i had a, a patient about a year ago now who came in and the doc He's about in his 50s, former football player. Doc wanted to do a hip replacement, was seeing if he could do anything before it. The guy walks in, sits down, he looks at me, and he says, are you sure you're old enough to be doing this? And I said, as long as you're asking me that in 20 years, we're doing good. So I hope you're asking me that in <laughs> years. And we ended up fixing his hip, and he just went hunting in Italy. So it all worked out properly. So it was good. I'm just saying there's just so much information out there now. Um, it's kind of like this uh, fountain of youth, right? 
yeah. um, I'm, I'm really big on getting my blood work done twice a year. Yeah. So I'm huge on all my blood markers, DNA, inflammatory markers. And I just want to really stay in control of that. Um, so I usually do it beginning of the year and I usually do it at the end of the year yep. and just making sure that what's going on inside with me, you know, physiologically I'm, I'm taking care of myself, right? Instead of waiting for a symptom, I'm making sure that again, proactive and making sure I, if I'm depleted in something, I want to make sure I replenish that. Right. Or if my inflammatory markers are high, what can I do nutrition wise or whatever um, to get that under control? And again, the biggest thing for me and a lot of guys out on tour is just sleep, you know, time zone changes. Um, and so obviously we do a lot of red light therapy, um, you know, obviously essential oils. I'm trying to think a lot of things that I do just to kind of keep me, me going, you know, obviously supplements is huge. So yeah, it's just so much out there. You can use the whoop. How was your sleep? Did you sleep? Yeah. You know, what is your, uh, are you in parasympathetic sympathetic? I mean, looking at all your HRVs, just stuff like that. Right. Um, so I kind of use myself as a guinea pig and then, uh, you know, kind of test things out because I get a lot of approached by a lot of people to do different things with my athletes. And so I'll test it out, yeah. see if it's legit. And if I like it and it's, it's helped me, then I'll pass it on to my players. Cool. So, um, yeah. Without naming names, have you ever had to fire a player on the tour? I have. Yeah. Tell me, I mean, again, without giving away, but how does, what does it look like? What happens? I have fired two in 18 years. Um, I, well, I should, the first one I really didn't, I kind of fired, but I didn't fire. Um, I, I mean, he was number one player in the world forever. And, uh, he was just not respectful of the other players, you know, um, he'd show up whenever he'd show up late and, you know, you got to be respectful of your time. So if I'm in a gym training a guy or I'm at a guy at the table, he wanted to come in he was just being a bully. And I told him he couldn't do that. And he actually offered me a, a shitload of money and I, I denied it. I just didn't want to deal with that. I don't need the extra stress. Right. Um, and so I just told him it's no longer working for us. Right. So that was ooh, probably 10 years ago. And then I had another player um, three years ago that I worked with all through college. And um, I think he's top five in the world right now, top six in the world. And he, again, he was just being a bully. Um, he wanted to take up all my time. He didn't respect the other players' times. And um, we had an issue at, at Augusta. And one of the players who was on the table at the time was there and who, was a, who actually won the Masters a while back and said, we can't have this guy on our team. Hmm. And so I just, I just let him go. <laughs> so, my, you know, it's kind of my guys I work with um, – it's kind of like a family. We're kind of like, even though they compete against each other, they're still yeah. friends and they we consider it a team. And we just don't need something like that in our team. And they'll let me know. They'll tell me, like, he's out. So those are two. Um, and usually, you know, what happens is when guys come on tour, they're young and they get out there and they, you know, they think they're the greatest and they become bullies and they pound their chest and look at me. And, and then that slowly kind of goes away as the years go on. Right. They kind of, they kind of, you know, realize you just don't want to be that guy. So. Are you, um, when you go and travel, do you get to play at these courses at all? Um, not at the, well, I shouldn't say that. I have in the past, you know, like maybe like a Monday practice round or, you know, some of my guys will go to a certain golf course where I'll maybe play around with them when it's not being held. Um, I used to play a ton of golf. Um, yeah. I would shoot high 70s, which is pretty good. 
um, low eighties. And now it's just, I, you know, I just don't have a lot of time. Right. And, and, and then when I'm, when I'm home, I don't really want to be on a golf course for five hours. I'd rather be home with my kids. Sure. Absolutely. That makes sense. And spend, spend time with them. I've just kind of put that, put that, on, put that on the back burner, but it's interesting. People just don't how tough those golf courses are set up. Yeah. You know, um, they, 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 I always tell people like, I mean, Augusta is one of the most beautiful golf courses in the world, but TV doesn't do it justice on the green complexes and the elevation changes. It sure. just doesn't. Right, right. And when you stand, when you stand on, on, a, on a green, like the first green, you look at that and you're like, goodness gracious, how's this ball even going to get in the hole? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, and so, then also how much harder they made it. I was watching, I don't know if you saw the PGA, they kind of reformatted, I guess it was Ben Hogan. I know, sorry, Sam Snead versus uh, Jack when Jack was like 23. It was like that world of golf and a shell world of golf. And they have Jack talking about mm-hmm. it and he's talking about putts from the 60s. And he's like, ah, that wouldn't have gone in now. It would have been off the green because of how much faster it's gotten over the past since then. You know? Yeah, 100%. The greens are just like, for the people out there who play golf, we probably play on the, I mean, it's just so slow. I mean, these greens are just lightning fast. Right. It's, it's just crazy. Um, there's so many times I would just, I wouldn't even touch the ball and it's literally, and now I'm chipping it back on the green. Like, how do you, how do you flip and put this in the hole? Right. But right. That's what, but that's why they makes them so great. Right. Right. For sure. Um, what's the biggest difference that you see from a body perspective? I have my thoughts on it um, from the guys on tour versus the average club golfer. Um, you know, cause a lot of times, you go for a lesson, the club golfer will com- try to compare himself to like Justin Rose. And it's like, no, hold on a second. Here. Like, <laughs> so what, what, what doesn't yeah. the know about the guys you work with? What do they generally have that you and I don't have or, or that the average club golfer doesn't have? Well, if you look at like some of the private golf courses, obviously the membership age group is probably what, 50 to 65. Sure. Right. And I mean, we take care of a lot of those guys in our office. So, um, I think the number one thing is they just don't have the flexibility and mobility like the pro golfers have. Right. So, I mean, they sit at a desk, sit on a plane, sit in a car, they sit all the time and then they go hit a golf ball and they can't even move. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I would say with that age group, hundred percent is the flexibility and mobility. And um, you look at obviously these guys behind the scenes, I mean, that they work on that every day, every day And the game itself requires flexibility, requires mobility. You have to move. Um, and so, uh, that's number one, I think with the younger age group, um, I mean, obviously you're seeing Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. you look at some of these guys going down some rabbit holes. I mean, the speed and the power and the strength nowadays with these young guys is absolutely incredible. I mean, right. I think the club head speed has gone up six miles an hour in five years or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the big thing that we, everybody talks about is the injuries, right? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if I take a NASCAR and I soup up that motor, is that chassis going to handle the torque that motor is going to produce, right? And, it, I mean, that's a valid. I mean, there's so many injuries right now. And I think um, – I just don't think you need that. Um, a lot of guys who've tried it have unfortunately gone on the back end of it getting hurt. You know, David Duvall, Tiger Woods. I mean, obviously, we know what Brooks Kepka now um, – Bryson DeChambeau is going down that rabbit hole. Uh, it's just hard. It's just the human bodies, especially in golf, when you look at a ro- rotary athlete, the, the human body just can't handle the stress 
you know, over and over and over again, whether it's playing, practicing, or in the gym. It's just, it, um, for 18 years, I've seen so many guys go through that. You tell them and they don't listen and then eventually they get hurt. And so that's probably the big thing right now. You know, golf fitness has gone so far to one side, so extreme. Um, and, you know, you look at some guys, they, they're, they're not, they're just not big enough, right? They just don't have the mass for that rotary force into their spine. Right. You know, like I work with Ricky Fowler and Justin Tom and Justin Thomas. And my goal for, with those guys since day one is just trying to put some mass on them, just trying to protect them. Right. Um, because their, their rotary speed is, it's crazy. I mean, they, it's crazy how far they can hit it, how small they are. So my goal right there with them is obviously getting, building a good strength foundation, right? And a good power foundation um, and just putting some weight on them. So JT's done, Ricky, they've done a good job. They've, uh, you know, in knock on wood, they've been healthy their whole career so far. So, so how do you look at something like that? Because here, here you are, you address the nutrition, the sleep, the working out, the Cairo side, the manipulations, but you're not the swing coach. And so if you see yeah. a guy that has, you know, you might look and say like, you know, you're good at 22 and you can do this, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know if this is going to last you 15 years on the tour. Um, and I, I don't know if it was Ben Shear or someone else that could be even making it up, but they're saying like this swing might make you a lot of money, but it also might cut your career short. Do you, how do you, how do you think, think about that stuff? Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's there's a couple of trainers out on tour right now where, you know, they'll build these guys up with a lot of power and speed and strength, but they have a really sh uh, short shelf life. Um, and then the guys start breaking down and getting hurt. I agree with Ben, you know, it's, we see it all the time. And so I, I just don't, I just don't, that's something I just don't believe in. I think, as you know, I mean, these guys can play on the tour for, gosh, 30, 34, you know, 35 years. Um, so, yeah, that's a big one I would say is just uh, you always look at longevity, you always look at sustainability, you always look at what's the shelf life. And you start looking at – and there's some golf swing out there that are pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Matty Wolf is one. Right? Yeah, like I – and he's a great guy. I know him really well. People really talk really high of him. But I, I personally just – my opinion is I just don't think he's going to be able to – he doesn't have a lot of shot shapes, right? right. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in his body. And when you're under pressure, can you – pull that off because i mean his shot relies a lot on timing it's just timing sure. and you can see now he can't you know this is the big thing right he obviously came out he was successful in college um just because he hit it a long way he just bomb and gouged it right so in college you can win that way and um had a lot of momentum a lot of confidence came out i think he won his first tournament in six events or whatever but now you look he's put a full year in and he hasn't really done much since then and when you get into the majors, you get a lot of golf courses. We have to shape your shots. I just can't see him competing at a high level with the guys who can. Right. So, you know, the swing coach side of it is, you know, my, my role on that end of it is I'm not a swing coach, but I look at it more, more body movement, look at more of how well they move, what's not moving, how can I affect that body to get in positions that swing coach wants and do, whether through treatment or training. I mean, I just been out there long enough now where I think, most of the swing coaches respect what I, what I'd say. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my players are good. Like I'll get a lot of my guys like, Hey, can you spend some time on the range with me? My coach, tell me what you think, what you're looking at. I can't do this or I'm struggling with this. There's something body wise that I, you can address. And that's great. I mean, that's what it comes down to the teamwork, right? Um, everybody's on the same page. Everybody, everybody's on the team. Like you've always heard about the Zach Johnson meetings, right? Everybody checks their ego at the door. 
we've had some really healthy conversations. Um, but basically what it comes down to is you're doing, you're doing whatever you can, the best you can to make that person a better golfer. Right. And if everybody checks your ego at the door, um, you can have some really healthy conversations like Zach's coaching myself. We have some healthy conversations, but we respect each other. Right. So we'll go back and forth on certain things. And, um, it's, again, it's just the benefit for the players. So some coaches don't want to be talked to, you know, I have a couple guys whose coaches, uh, there it's their way or the highway. So, um, I put my two cents in on behalf of the player and you know, it is what it is. So it's, you just got to kind of read and react sometimes. Right. With, with, some, with some of the coaches. But um, for the most part, I think most coaches are pretty open to it because you have to understand most of those coaches out there don't really have the formal education on the body. Right. They just don't they just don't know. They pick up certain things here and there, social media, read something, whatever. So a lot of them and, I, and a lot of them are just know a lot of everything. And so. It could be a little dangerous. Right. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. 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 And you wouldn't, you know. Again, I think going back, you would think the guys on the tour are always have the best of the best. But, you know, I remember a story. I was at an SFMA seminar and I sat down who the guy happened to be the head. He was either the PT or head athletic trainer for the Dodgers. And I asked him, like, you know, kind of like how the medical staff was formed. And he's like, well, I think that the, the head doctor was just friends with the owner. And that's how it started. And so it's like, even though we don't think like, all right, it's the Dodgers, but some, that's how a lot of it, it occurs. So just because you're at 100%. that level doesn't mean you have it. And I'm, and I'm assuming probably even golf and tennis, it's even more though, because every athlete is their own person. So they don't have early on, especially they don't have either the funds or the, the establishment to be able to kind of hire the right people, or it's just like their buddy, you know? Yep. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And that happens a lot. You know, a lot of players will go out there and have a coach from day one and then, things don't go well and they change coaches and sometimes, or a caddy. I mean, it's a buddy, right? A coach can be a buddy or a caddy can be a buddy. And I mean, 10 years ago, you could probably pull that off. Right. But now it's the, the level of play is so high. I mean, you got to have the right people. Right. Just to get to elevate your game. Uh, again, a lot of it comes into finances too. Maybe a lot of guys just don't want to pay for the, for the high end, you know, support staff. I don't know. But we, I mean, I see it a lot. It's, um, it's, it's pro sports is, is interesting. You know, once you get into it, um, you, you, sometimes you scratch your head. There's no doubt uh, why is somebody there and how they get there and why they're there so long. And like you said, um, and I know a couple guys in certain pro sports teams, same thing. They're friends with the, with the owner of the team. Um, that's, but that's just, that's just the way it is. Right. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me a couple more questions for you. What, um, as yeah. far as you're concerned and looking at golf, do you think that they're going to eventually move, take the equipment back a little bit, or what do you think is going to happen? Like decrease the driver, change the ball, or, or what's going to they make the longer? Um, good they're question. Run out of room soon, right? I I really think over time what's going to happen is, um the game's going to change to more shot shapes instead of the bombing and gouging. I, I really do. Um, will it change the ball? Oof, good question. You know, they've tried with the driver, obviously the driver testing. Um, I don't Good question. I, I, the hard part with that would be if I change the ball, so it doesn't go as far, that will negatively affect 
everybody outside the PGA tour. Right. Right. Like that's what everybody wants. And you know, this, I mean, everybody comes into your office, they want to hit it further. Um, and obviously technology over the last five, 10 years has been incredible. Right. I mean, it, people hit the ball so far. And so, you know, I was just having a conversation with, uh, Jordan Spieth yesterday in my office, we got the Byron Nelson switched to a golf course that I belong to. And it's 7,500 yards from the back. Mm-hmm. And so, and if there's any wind from one way, uh, I mean, there is no chance that some of these guys are going to reach some, a couple of these par fours and two shots, two shots. Right. So, and it's, and it's wide open. Like you can land an airplane on the fairway. Right. So there's really the only, the only obstacle is distance. Right. Um, and you look at the couple of the U.S. Opens over the last, so you look at Aaron Hills, you look at Shinnecock, um, I mean, Bruce Kepka, I mean, they weren't, there was no, there was no enemy. There was nothing there, right? You just smash it as far as you can go. I mean, the fairways at Aaron Hills was a joke. Right. Um, and that's how he won it. He, I mean, and he, and he says it, he's like, listen, I'm going to hit it as far as I can off the tee. And I, if I have to hit an eight iron out of the rough onto the green, I'll do it. Sure. You know? And so. Then it, then it, but then, but there's no, there's no shot shape. So, and I think that sometimes, you know, where guys get in trouble, they got to play some golf courses where they have to shape some shots and they're not even relevant on the, on the leaderboard of some golf courses. So I don't know what they're going to do. That's a tough one, you know, because you, you want to, the big thing in golf is you want more participation. Sure. And unfortunately the game with expenses and time and exclusivity of golf courses, um, injuries, it's just, a lot of the participation of golf has, has dropped. Sure. Um, and now they're trying to find ways to get people back on the golf courses. So like they're building, so literally 10 minutes from my house, they're building the PDA of America, those, those golf courses. Right. So, um, they're going to have a golf course, which I understand um, for public, it's going to be a lot shorter. So people can enjoy it. Got it. And then the, the champions golf course, obviously for the Ryder cup and PGA championship, it's going to be a little different. So Gil Hans is really going to, Things did a really good job designing those golf courses. So see how that goes. That's so, great. All right, yeah. last question for you. With all this coronavirus and the delay and the the master, I mean, the major season kind of being pushed back. What do you anticipate on your end as far as the medical side, body side, that's going to change now, or what are you looking at for your guys? Well, luckily, I have a handful of my guys I work with here locally, so we've been pretty good consistently with our, you know, the treatments and our training stuff. Majority of my guys have gyms at home. Majority of my guys that set somebody up with them at in their home. Um, I I would hope that most of the guys are doing something to sure. keep themselves health, keep themselves healthy. Um, you know, the first one's in Fort Worth, week of June eighth, right? Yeah. So as you all know, no fans. Uh, so they, yeah, there's a lot of things going on right now. Nobody really knows what's going on, but. Um, It'll be interesting. I, I already know, and you've probably seen it on social media, a lot of players have come out that they don't, they don't want to play uh, with no fans. They don't want to risk being exposed to the virus. Um, I know some title sponsors of, are, are concerned being involved with a tournament where somebody can get exposed and get sick. So a lot of balls in the air. Um, I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting over these next uh, – I talked to all my players. Um, you know, we got – Fort Worth, we got Hilton Head, we got Travelers in Connecticut, and I think we got Detroit, right? So Detroit's 50-50. I, you know, Michigan's still not doing well. I don't think that's going to happen, but unless something drastically changes over the next, you know, eight weeks. Fort Worth, I think, will be fine. Um, we've done a good job here in Texas kind of keeping that virus under control. 
Um, so my understanding is they're going to test everybody um, every week. And if you're green light good, you're on, you're on site. If you're not, you're not on, light on site. So a lot of things are thinking of, I think uh, in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a couple of meetings with what's called the pack meeting and the board meeting and think of, and, and go over a lot of the testing and safety stuff that they need to address uh, from week to week. I know the PGA tours have visited all these golf sites. I'm um, trying to figure out logistics on how to do things, how to run things. Right. Um, I think the average, if you take the fans out of the equation, if you look at players, caddies, equipment, support staff, volunteers, um, there's usually there's average around 2,000 people at a, at a tournament. So that's, that's a lot of people to, to control and contain. Sure. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, it's a tough question to answer. Um, you know, things could drastically change for the positive or the negative. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. I think, I think what Tennessee, Georgia, um, South Carolina are going to open yeah. up. Right. And so they're going to be kind of the model for the country. Right. And we're going to really going to see what's going to happen when they open up, I think, tomorrow and Monday. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's crazy times for all of us. It's, um, I would tell my wife, and my kids, you guys are living through history right now. That's right. Our, our, our grandchildren are going to be reading about this in textbooks. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, uh, I was, I was in high school during nine 11, which happened right around here. And now this, uh, the OE crash, there's been a lot of events the last 20 years, you know, a lot yeah. of events. It's been, uh, it's been interesting. I, I, I'm, but I'm, you know, it's kind of like you think sometimes why hasn't this happened sooner? Right with the amount of people in the world and, and, and I, you know, this is crazy. I mean, you know, I live in airports and airplanes and it's, um, it's amazing to me the amount of people who everybody's been in airports in the bathroom, right. Or bathrooms at the airport. And those bathrooms are terrible. Yeah. And how many people we see going in and out of those without washing their hands. Sure. Yeah. It's crazy. You, know, you just think, gosh, this should have happened sooner. Yeah. For sure. So, so hopefully it's going to change some people's mindsets and, and people take care of themselves better and take care of, you know, take care of the earth better. And I, I, it's kind of funny. It's like, I'd be curious to see air pollution, how good it is. And I, it's funny. I read an article, the seismologists, they're saying that the, the vibration of the earth is like a lot less because less cars, less planes, less people moving. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Huh. Yeah, Fascinating. So. I know that. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Doc, tell tell the audience where they can find you if they want to follow you on social or on uh, on the website or the practice and all that. Yeah, I think social media. It's just Instagram page. Uh, it's just Cairo uh, Sport TVB. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, obviously my name, my, my, you know, Sport Specialist of Dallas, you know, Facebook or um, Instagram. Those are probably the best ways to kind of follow me or get a hold of me. And, Perfect. Yeah, well, life on the tour. Yeah. No kidding. So if you guys see some of these athletes out there soon, you'll know who's, uh, who's behind taking care of them. Doc, we really appreciate you being on. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Justin. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve, and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. 
Find our eBooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an eBook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These eBooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the talk to the doctor first button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.